Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. So sometimes it's hard to give pastoral direction when God is just doing his thing. But it's important as a pastor to say, when God shows up like this, it's important that we respond properly. Um, it's important that we respond with reverence and awe, that, we, that, we, that we're willing to set aside our agendas and minimize distractions and have reverence for the holiness of the Lord. Even, you know, even if you don't feel anything, you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I see people laying all over and there's a stillness in the room, but I don't feel anything. And uh, that's okay. But just reverence, just be, be in a place of reverence. So it's, an, uh, it's important to, to reflect on that. But uh, anyway. Um, I just want to share tonight um, all of our ministers that were prepared to share on the floor. So I'm going to share. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. They, they, y'all just keep drinking. Stay, stay incapacitated. It's great. Um, so I'm, I'm going to share. And if you're watching via live stream tonight and you're wondering what's happening, Welcome to First Mondays. Welcome to Celebration Church. If you're not, not uh, if you haven't been in one of these meetings, you need to just come and experience it. Uh, and people do, you know, it's awesome. We hear stories all the time from people who watch via live stream that never even come in the doors, uh, which is which is awesome. But I just, if you're watching, if you're one of those, just come join us, um, and you'll understand what what's happening. I'm sure you can sense what God's doing. God has a way of moving in, in multiple locations at once. So he's all present. So I'm sure he's moving in your home where you're watching right now. In Acts chapter 1, I, I want to talk about what God's doing in our church. And I, I just want to kind of give some pastoral um, wisdom from Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And you say, Pastor, are you going to preach all eight or nine chapters tonight? No, I'm not. Um, I just, I'm going to take an overview. And, and I want to do this in a way to just kind of give you some, um, you know, those of you that are here tonight and um, 
our, our core, obviously you're here on a Monday night, so your core, part of the inner core. Um, and so it's important for you to hear this um, and not only hear it, but it's important for you to share it. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give um, some pastoral direction, you know, as you hear this, you may even say, well, that's kind of apostolic. Well, you can take it wherever you want it, but just take the wisdom and share it, okay? Um, I'm not really into titles or labels. Just take it where it is and share it, and it'll be beneficial to our body, I promise. Um, but in Acts 1, what happens? We see Jesus is preparing for his ascension. It's the commission chapter of Acts. He's commissioning them. He's saying, here's the vision. Here's, what I'm, here's where you're, you're headed. He's got his followers with him. Of course, they want to know when he's going to be the king. And he says, it's not for you to know. But it's not for you to know the seasons or the times. You don't need to know all that. But what you do need to know, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've heard this. This is our, this is our mission statement verse for the church. You've heard this a million times. You can quote it, I'm sure. But this is, this is the vision. This is the direction. This is the commission that he gives to his followers, Acts 1. This is what you're going to do. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. It's so important. That he, and he gives this instruction, don't go. Because what you're going to receive in Acts 2, what's going to happen in, in a very short time frame from now, is going to empower you to what? To be my witnesses. So let's talk about Celebration Church and where we've been and where we are today. A lot of where we've been over the past, it's five years now, that, that Heather and I have been here, and a lot of, a lot of what's been taking place is, is Acts 1. We've seen, we've seen a lot of Acts 2 and all these other things mi mixed in, but, but where we've really been is establishing what has God called Celebration Church to be. And, and y'all are a part of that. Y'all, um, on many different levels, have been a part of that Acts 1 journey of setting in motion, you will be witnesses for me. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to empower you, and you're going to be my witnesses. And, and you've been living that out in different ways and different ministries through whether it's Night of Hope or women's or youth or children or Hope Center or worship team or sound, you know, all the different ushers, all the different things that make what we're doing here the culture. You know, we use that word culture a lot. And I, I just want to identify, a culture is a, is a set way of behaviors, patterns of behaviors and beliefs. And so we have a culture, we have a certain pattern of behaviors and beliefs, things that, how we operate, if you will. You can say you have a culture of being a spirit-filled church, but when I walk into your church and the Holy Spirit, take a, he's taking a vacation, you're not a spirit-filled church. You, that might, you might say that's your culture, but that's not in reality. We, we have that culture, and obviously tonight, you can, you, I don't have to, have to tell you, that's our culture. You can see that. 
it's it's being expressed in our services and all of in all of our ministries, which is awesome. That's what we want. So that's the Acts one, that commissioning phase. Acts two is the empowering phase. And I, I'm using phase term the word phase here. Don't get stuck on that. But Acts one, they're commissioned. Acts two, they're empowered. Here's what you're gonna do in Acts one. Acts two, they get the power and the authority to do it. Now you can have a great vision. Great commission, great direction, no vision or no power, excuse me, no power or no authority, you're not going to be able to fulfill it. You can say all day long, I'm going to go build a house, but if you ain't got the tools and you ain't got the, the lumber and the skill to do it, you ain't building the house, right? And so we've said our church is, a, is an Acts 1-8 church. We're going to be filled with the, with the power of God to be witnesses we're the church with the difference, all the different things. Reach our community, our values, through reach all these things that we feel like the Lord has spoken in the direction. And it is important, absolutely important, that you are empowered and that you have the authority to do what God's called you to do. And, and, and I'm talking in the context of our local church here. Now, um, we have this vision and this direction. It's not just my vision and my direction. It's your vision and, and your direction. It's not just about us and people on the platform. This is about you. Amen? It's about me. That all of us are living out Acts 1-8. All of us are living out those values, the reach. All of us, the church at large, that's a part of who we are. It's in what we're doing. And that you're empowered. You need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. You need to live. And, and listen, you say, well, I got that. Check the box. Good. You need more. <laughs> last I checked, we're not, you know, the, the, the church foundation, although I thought it was going to happen tonight, the church is not, shake, is not shaking under the power of God. You know, so there's always room for more. And even if that were happened, there's always room for more. Um, I thank God. You know, we, we in five years, and I'm not, I'm not talking in a reflection way um, to, to be, um, what's the word, uh, when, you, when you reflect all the time and yeah, reminiscent. Thank you. I'm not. I'm not trying to reminisce here. I, my point is to kind of give you an overview, a bird's eye view of kind of where where things have come and and where we're going. Um, when you walk onto the property, you feel the presence of the Lord. You know, our our services are are not driven by a producer who's trying to make sure we do everything perfect and, and it's all about the time, timing and a production. I'm not saying churches who have producers and do all those kinds of things are wrong. I'm just not, that's not what we're about. We're driven by the presence of the Lord and his direction. We're driven by his, his timing. So it's important that we're empowered. I want you to be empowered. I want you to be empowered to live out Acts 1-8 in our church and in our community. Now, 
what happens when you get empowered for the vision that God's given you in our church. This isn't just about an individual vision. Notice they were not gathered together in Acts 2 for the purpose of the fulfillment of their own calling and their own purpose, their own identity, their own thing. They were there because Jesus said, go. Let's settle down upstairs. They, they were there in Acts 2. They were in Acts 2, all settled in one place, all together in one place. And they were there because of what? Jesus said in Acts 1, don't leave. You need this. Are you with me? He said, don't go. I think sometimes we get together in church, and, I, and we all have our unique calling and our unique expression of what God's called us to do. But it's important that we recognize that as a local church, when we get together, my own individual expression of that is part of a corporate expression, that I'm not just on an island by myself, that I'm part of a corporate expression. And that corporate expression is Acts 1-8, that he's called us to be witnesses. Individually, there's, a, there's an expression of that, but corporately, there's an expression of that. So they got together in, in corporate togetherness, unity. As a, that's, that's a miracle. They were in Acts 2. They were all in unity. You try to get two people together in unity, it's hard. Think about, I mean, they started off with 500 and they ended up with 120. It, it took a little bit to get them in unity. <laughs> there had to be some weeding out. There had to be some sorting out, some trimming, some pruning. And, and that's, let me, let me just say, that pruning phase is not easy. We've been through the pruning phase. You know, anybody say amen? You know, it's not, those that have been around, it's not easy to see part of that 500 get whittled down to 120. But God's doing something in that. God's bringing together a body in unity under the direction that he's given. And when that happens, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes in a powerful, powerful way. So in Acts 2, they, they're immersed into the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power of God comes upon them. Jesus pours out upon them. We know the, we know the story. I always find it interesting in Acts 2. Peter stands up and he preaches. And none of the 12 or the 120 were griping that Peter was leading. You know? There was no conflict about who was in charge or what, you know, who the, the mouthpiece was. God put his hand upon Peter. And Peter began to preach under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And, and it flowed. Everything began to flow in unison. It's powerful. Anyway. Um, 3,000 were added. Acts 2, 3,000. Because they were in unity under the direction of the Lord. Acts 1, 8, you'll be witnesses. And they received from the Lord this empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And it created a ruckus. Are you creating a ruckus in your daily life? How do I know if your life is on fire, full of Holy Ghost power, and, and creating a ruckus in our city? 
was 3,000 people were added. When you get passionate about something, you get noisy about it. When you're passionate about something, you make noise. Passionate people always make noise. When you're passionate about what you go to a restaurant, you really like it, you like their food, you want to tell somebody, right? Hey, you need to go to and get this while you're there. If uh, um, Conversely of that, if you're not enjoying your meal, you're equally passionate <laughs> in the opposite direction. And you make sure that everybody around you knows not to go there. Am I right? That's not a good... So passionate people make noise. There's, a, there's an overflow of what God is doing in your life in the city around you. And if I were to say, if we were anywhere on this spectrum of where, where we're at, Acts 1 through 8, in this, this phase of what God's doing in our church, where we'd be, I would say we're right here in about Acts 2, where God's stirring some passionate people. Where God's stirring up some people to be really passionate in the city and not just, hey, I go to church. Oh, okay. Well, what church do you go to? A celebration. Oh, nice. But people who are passionate, you need to come to my church. Hey, we have this guest, we have this guest evangelist in from Tanzania. You need to be there. You don't want to miss it. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna come get you and bring you to service. Is that okay? Even if it was, I'm going to come get you. You follow what I'm saying? That passionate people don't make room for excuses. They don't, they don't make room uh, for, for the excuses to say, well, somebody else will do it. Or I'm just not that person. I'm not an outgoing person. No, passionate people are outgoing. They're going to tell. You're going to tell what it is that you're passionate about. Y'all hear me tonight. Am I just, am I, am I talking to open space? It, it, it's important when we get passionate we, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to stir in us a passion for what he's doing in his house. And it's okay. It's okay to be noisy. Society, I, I think we live as Christians in a place where we allow society to dictate what we say and what we don't say. Well, it's, it's not politically correct to talk about Jesus in the grocery store line. It might offend somebody. It might offend somebody to tell people about my church. It might offend somebody to tell them, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too passionate and, and cause a scene. Right? And we, we allow culture to dictate our response. But let me, let me say the New Testament church changed culture. The New Testament church impacted the culture. They didn't allow the culture to change the church. They impacted the culture. Matter of fact, it was said of Jason, you know, the whole brother, the people that have turned the world upside down, they've come here also. So they, there was such an impact, a worldwide impact, based on what was happening. So, so passionate people don't back down. Now, open up your mouth. I, I want to encourage you, open up your mouth. You know, and it's not just, obviously it's not just about Celebration Church, but, but that's a great place to start. Hey, you need to come to my church. You need to come be a part of what God's doing. I'll come get you. I'll come bring. And, what, and, and what's, 
what would happen? What would happen if 120 people every Sunday brought one person? Just one. Y'all see the connect? And, and those 120 get Im- impacted by what God's doing. And they start bringing their, a one person. You see the multiplication. We look at Acts 2 and we see, we see this outpouring and 3,000 people were at it. And we're like, oh God, we want, we want an Acts 2 outpouring where 3,000 people walk into our church. I'm not saying that that's not possible. Consider the context, though, where they were. They were out, they were in the middle of the temple where all the, where all the people were. If you want 3,000 people to walk up to you and, and, and see all the mess that's going on, okay, then let's go out where 3,000 people are all gathered around and get in the middle of them, and we, we can do that too. That's, we, that's good. I'm good for that. We just have a big old Holy Ghost party right out in the middle of 3,000, a crowd, you know? Go find, the, go find the next sporting event and hang out outside the arena, and, and there you go. You know, we're good for that. But, but I think we have this idea that somehow God's going to make 3,000 people figuratively walk through our doors, and that's not how it works. He can, but most likely he's going to start touching you on the altar on a Monday night service and you start getting overwhelmed by his presence, and he, you start laughing, and the joy of the Lord starts coming upon you, and, and the word of God's affecting your life, and life changes happening. You're getting, he's empowering you, the spirit of God's coming upon you, and guess what happens? You get passionate. And so if you're here tonight, and you say, well, I'm not, I've not been real passionate lately. Well, you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost on your life. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he makes you really passionate. We can get passionate about a lot of stuff. But we need to be passionate about what God's doing here. Amen. I told you this was going to be good. Okay. And then it says at the end of Acts 2 that the Lord added to their number daily. They kept. Now, again, we see that and we say, okay, well, Lord, we got to. You're going to add to our church daily. Not just, you know, not just 3,000. We want daily salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm right there with you. But guess what? They were having church services daily. It's hard enough to get people out on a Monday night, <laughs> let alone having a daily meeting. Again, when, when, when you're passionate about something, you make room. You make room for it. If you're passionate, man, when we go to New Orleans, I'm passionate about Don's Seafood. We're going to make some room for Don's Seafood, those that are going to New Orleans. Uh, I'm passionate about snowballs. When we go, we're going to make some room to get some snowballs every day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe not. My wife might not like that. But, but when you're passionate, you're going to make room for that. And make room for those things. So we make room on our sky. I, I know I'm talking to the choir, as they say tonight, because you're here. But, but this is good information to share with those who aren't here. When you're passionate, you... You make room. Number three, or Acts three, the lame man gets healed. This is the tipping point. We would look at Acts two and say, 
whoa. Acts 2 was just leading them up to Acts 3. Acts 2 was power to get them to Acts 3. There was a purpose in what God did in Acts 2, and it was found in Acts 3. The salvation, the souls, all of that, that was just the beginning. That was just the, that was just the initial outpouring. They had to get to the next chapter. Literally, the Holy Spirit had to move them to the next chapter of Acts. He said, okay, we finished that chapter. Now we got to go to the next chapter. And what happened in Acts 3? Peter and John were on their way to the temple. They were going daily to the temple, daily prayer, daily service. Hear the theme? They're on their way to church. And they see the poor man out on the corner on their way to church. The guy that's sitting always out there on Route 8 as you exit. Now, I don't know what he's going to do when they start closing exits down for all this road construction. But, but there's always somebody. And they saw, the, they saw the person that they always passed. It's them again. Right? It was the same. He'd been there. They'd seen him all the time. And there he was again. But something was different. They had had Acts chapter 2 happen. It was a different season. God put his hand on the moment. They were passionate. They were full of power and authority. And they stopped. And they looked at the man and said, look, you know the story. He got up. The lame man got up, went in the temple. He called a mess, caused a mess in the temple. Absolute mess. How dare you go leaping and jumping in the church after you get healed? You know, and that's what, they, that's what the religious people said. Shut him up. This is wrong. And it caused such a ruckus that they arrested Peter and John over it. This was the first time since the beating, whipping crucifixion of Jesus that someone had been arrested for what they'd been teaching, preaching, and doing. Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Oh, we've seen this before. Remember Jesus? We've been down this road. But they, there was a power, there was an authority, there was a commission. They were, they were running with the gospel. It's interesting how God does this. They've, you would think, Acts 3, man, word was spreading about what was happening at Celebration Church because there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the church and people started talking about, did you hear what's happening in that church? People are falling on the floor and rolling and laughing. They're speaking in tongues. And people are getting born again at that church. Like they've, that, that church has never seen people like this get born again. I mean, have you, have you heard? I mean, and people start, That's kind of where we've been, that whole Acts 2 phase, right? I said that. Where God's taking us, Acts 3. Where there is going to, there is going, and I'm going to step into maybe a little bit of prophetic here, but uh, there's going to be, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know the timing and all of that, but there's like this lame man, it's going to be the same old, same old. We're going to church, just doing, doing what we're doing. We're passionate about the Lord. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. And God's just going to put his hand on the moment and say it's time. And, and somebody's going to see a lame man 
And chances are, it's not going to be me. Somebody's going to see a lame man. And somebody's going to operate in the authority and the power that they've been given. And that lame man. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just someone who's physically lame. I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to be a physical lame person that you're going to see on the side of the road. And you're going to, that's, it may be that way, but, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking more metaphorically, figuratively here that there's going to be there's going to be a normal everyday situation, and it could happen for multiple people on the same day at the same time. If if you know, it's just like God, where He puts His hand on a situation and says, "Now's the time. Now's the time." And that lame man's going to walk. And what's going to happen? Everybody and their brother is going to be stirred. Because it's not going to go unnoticed. It can't. Whatever, whatever it is that the Lord decides, whether it's the catch of fish or the lame man or the blind man or whatever it is, it's just not, it can't go unnoticed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that that God says now's the time and the lame man's going to come leaping and dancing and jumping in the temple and everybody's going to think what on earth is going on and they want to come check it out they've heard they've heard people talking they've heard your you're talking and everyone else is talking but now something happened a miracle happened Something drastic just changed. Something drastic happened, and we have seen it. We've seen it. Something has happened, and we want to see it. We want to be a part. And then they just start coming. At that point, you move into a whole other level of ministry where it's not just the, the inviting. People just start coming because it's, it's happening. It's on a regular basis. Things are happening daily in the homes, in the church, crowds are gathering. That's the crowd gathered in, in Acts 3, the crowd gathered, and that's why Peter preached, repent. We've, we've preached that message. You've heard that, Acts 3.19, repent, seasons of refreshing. That verse is, is Peter's spontaneous message to the crowd that gathered when the lame man was healed. They're like, what? We, how do we get this? <laughs> how, do, how do we receive? What do we need to do? Repent. And he preached this spontaneous word. Second sermon. Peter's second sermon. And again, it was a spontaneous sermon. It was a spontaneous message in response to what God was doing in the moment. They get arrested in Acts 4. Pressure always comes when God starts to move. So now we're talking futuristically. We've, we've seen Acts 1, Acts 2. I think God's taking us to Acts 3. And then what happens next is the pressure. People, you know, you have public, you're, you're now, public things are happening. Public display is happening. And people are like, what's going on? And then there's pressure added. I pray I don't get arrested. Thank you, Lord. But if it happens, it happens. You know, it's one of those realities. You know, people say, well, what about China? What about China? You know, <laughs> it's like they're not going to cause it too big of a scene. 
just reality. Just see what God's going to do. He's going to handle it. And, and no matter what happens, what did they do? Acts 4, all the believers got together and prayed. The pressure came, and they said, oh, this ain't stopping us. This isn't going to stop. They got together and they prayed. And what was their prayer? I love Acts 4, their prayer. The very thing they were told not to do was the thing they prayed for. They were told to be quiet and stop preaching. They said, Lord, give your servants boldness. Stretch forth your hands. Before. Turn it up a notch, Lord. Don't, don't stop. Just take it up to the next level. And what was God's response? Okay. <laughs> okay. And the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, that's shocking, because they had already been doing that. <laughs> so whatever was happening now was really bold. So Acts 4, things literally blow up again, even bigger. Then you got Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira. When God starts moving and his glory walks in the room, you can't lie. You can't manipulate. And it was exposed. They were trying to manipulate their leaders and, and lie to God. And, and God exposed it and they died. So, end of story. And great fear came upon everybody. <laughs> Don't ever, let me tell you, there might be someone in the room, so it's worth saying, maybe someone's watching via live stream, it's not worth your life to manipulate your leaders and try to lie to God. God's placed myself and spiritual leaders in your life for a reason. Don't manipulate it. Amen. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor. And, and there was such an outpouring. So much going on. I'm going to wrap this up, but I, I just wanted to give you kind of an over it. I'm going to stop on Acts 6 and 7 here, but I'll get to 8. Acts chapter 6, there's so much happening. So many things are going on. So many church services, people getting born again. People have to be discipled. People have to be trained. Things are happening that... In the I want you to picture you have 12 preachers, 12, 12 pastors, full-time pastors, preachers who can't keep up with what God's doing. I want you to think about, we, Heather and I are, are full-time, and then we've got Pastor Angie who's, who's part-time, and we've got Mandy on the team, and Paul. And so we have a small, we don't have 12 pastors that are full-time. The only full-time pastors around here are Heather and I. Think about what two of us do. Now, I realize we're, we're workhorses, and we can, we, can, we can take on a lot. But they... <laughs> Sound effects. It's great. Think, think about what 12 of us... Can you imagine 12 of us and what, what the amount of stuff that could be done... You think 12 pastors and what they're doing. We, we had 
when I started at Victory, we had 12. I think we had 12 pastors on staff full-time when I started. And they're, I mean, so I've seen this. And it's a, it's a lot. I mean, we were in every nook and cranny in New Orleans. I mean, there's things happening all over the place. Now, think about that. Twelve. Couldn't keep up. Couldn't keep up. And there was a complaint. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Twelve pastors working nonstop. And there's a complaint. You're not doing enough, pastor. <laughs> That's exactly. You're not doing enough. You skip the widows. The widows aren't being taken care of. And so what did they do? I said, well, we can't keep up. Our, our responsibility is the preaching of the word, hand, prayer, and the ministry of the word. And so they had deacons who came to serve, full-time ministers who came alongside to serve and to take care of the people, the needs of the people. Wow. And you see the, the big picture here. They went from 120 scared people in the upper room waiting to now there's so much activity by the Holy Spirit, so much that's happening, so much that's taking place that they've now become a full-on enterprise community. I mean, just think about all they're living together. They've got uh, taking care of the. I mean, there's so much going on. Massive, massive community, massive undertaking right there. Stephen, one of them. He's serving the people. You know, Stephen, first martyr. He gets stoned. I'm going to fast forward and jump to Acts eight. In Acts eight, verse one, it says that because of the persecution, they were sent out. So you have this community in just a very short amount of time that had been absolutely set ablaze. Acts 1, they were commissioned. Acts 2, they had the empowerment and authority for that. Acts 3 was the tipping point. Acts, uh, you fast forward to Acts 8, and there's so many of them that have been trained, raised up. God's moving. Great things are happening. The apostles stay in in Jerusalem, and everybody starts spreading out around the world. Missionaries going out. And they come back to Jerusalem to report. You know, there's this ongoing, you know, sense of community. They, they stay submitted to the leadership of the apostles. They're, they're in communication with them. They come back to Jerusalem, report what God's doing around the world. Then the, the 12 from Jerusalem start going out and helping start planning churches and help the missionaries and where they're at and doing, accomplishing their ministry and what God's doing in them. It's awesome. Looks like New Testament church to me. <laughs> so you say, Pastor, what are you, what are you saying? Where, where are we going? I, want to give you, I wanted to give you this overview, and, and hopefully we've recorded this so that it can be used. Um, but, but the point of this that I'm, I'm making we're in that Acts 2, getting passionate, being empowered, getting authority, being passionate, talking, 
talking, talking, talking. What, what's your response? You need to tell everybody you know about what God is doing in your church and in your life. Open up your mouth. Not just Facebook. Thank God for social media. But that doesn't get you off the hook for being passionate. <laughs> okay? You got to tell. You got to tell the story. Tell what God's doing in your life. You say, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to tell. What, did God, what has God done? What is he? Surely something has happened in your life. I mean, you've been here how long? <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> something happened in your life since you've been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really, it, you know, all of us. Why? Because there's an atmosphere here. God's put his hand on his church. God's doing something here. So it doesn't take much. You just got to come in. You know, it was so funny. I'll wrap up. I said I was wrapping up already. But y'all get ready because I'm going to keep going if not. Um, <laughs> I was talking with someone today. And they said, you know, Pastor, I've listened to you talk time and time and time again about the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the river of God, the joy of the Lord, the river of the Lord. Get in the river, have a drink. The joy of God is your strength. All these things going, going on. I've heard you talk and talk and talk about this. And I just, I didn't know about it. I didn't, I didn't think, you know, I've just kind of been reserved and didn't really think that that was, you know, maybe for me or I wasn't real sure if that was really biblical or what, you know. They were questioning. They were just going on how they were questioning everything. And I said, but... When the tough times have started and the hardship has come, you know what the first thing is that I realized I needed? Was the joy of the Lord. (laughs) And I needed to have a big drink of the river of God. And that really does make a difference. (laughs) It's not, this really wasn't just something you were telling us all to do. This really makes a difference. And I'm finding myself in the middle of a really hard time being really joyful. (laughs) Like, hmm. I wonder how that works, you know. <laughs> this isn't just, you know, good information. It's life-changing. And I said, well, I'm so glad that in the middle of the hardship, you've learned to drink. You've learned to realize that, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Amen. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an atmosphere here. Just kind of step in. Praise the Lord. I could go all night. This is awesome. I love this. Has this helped you? Has this, has this given you a different perspective on what God's doing and where you fit into this? You need to be empowered. Y'all know what you're doing? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody, if you're able, please do not do this if you're not able. <laughs>